I mean, it's uh, it's the kind of win that uh, you know most schools dream about. Coach, let's be honest. You go into a uh, an SEC school that has traditionally been one of the powers in that league and in all of college football. You collect a huge check, and you don't just win the game; you dominate them. I mean, that's the thing. You win thirty-one to ten. The game was never close. It was never in doubt. And to be able to do that. Um, in a game that most people thought would be, well, you know, they, they weren't expecting, forget the win, they just, you know, they were just hoping, I guess, the game would be somewhat competitive and, and respectable, and it turns into a total rout. Uh, that's, uh, that's a big statement. Big statement for you, big statement for your program. Well, you know, the one thing we got going for us right now is the kids are playing hard. And, uh, you know, we don't always play smart all the time, but we're playing hard, and anytime you play hard and then, you know, they, they're listening to what we tell them, and they're going out and, and doing what we ask them to do, and they're just playing, and they weren't intimidated by, you know, I thought they might be. We only have five seniors, so I'm going, you know, I don't know about this, but, you know, we didn't even talk about Auburn really until about Thursday, and we talked about us getting better each day, and, you know, our kids, I don't know, they just went up, and, you know, they weren't uptight at all, and, you know, we all said we're, you know, we're not going to go up there and lay up. We're going up there to win. You know, we had people interviewing me, you know, are you going to play this guy because so you don't get him hurt for the conference championship, all that stuff. And no, we're, we're, not, we're going to play everybody. We plan on going down there and winning. So we had the mindset that we weren't just going to go up there and keep the score close. Well, in the process, you've won now seven in a row. You tell me, what's the biggest difference that you've noticed from the team now compared to, uh, let's say, a couple of months back? Oh, I think everybody's come together. You know, we had a lot of people from different places, and I think we're closing on being more of a team. we still got a ways to go, but I think the camaraderie is a lot better. Um, you know, uh, we're getting more mature. Uh, we didn't have a lot of late, great leadership uh, early in the year. And, uh, you know, we've developed some, and our quarterback's playing very well, and we're playing better defense. But the most important thing, we're not turning over the ball. Coach, specifically on the defensive side, uh, you all just held Auburn this weekend in a pretty substantial way. Uh, what kind of credit can you give to your defense and the game plan that they had over the weekend to hold Auburn the way you did? Well, I think it's kind of a combination, really. Is often we we had 36 minutes of holding the ball to their, I don't know, 19, and uh, I think we complemented each other. Offense stayed on the field. I think we had the ball till about four or five minutes in the first quarter, so we didn't give them very many possessions. And uh, you know, the less your defense is on the field, the better you get. And then when our defense went on the field, we got a lot of threes and outs, and then we held on to the ball. So. I think it was just a combination of both sides working together, and then the kicking game, you know, was outstanding. Head coach Jerry Kill joining us here on Sports Talk as we continue talking about the New Mexico State Aggies. Uh, not only did they uh, defeat Auburn uh, 31 to 10, they're nine and three. They're five and two on the road. They're back home uh, this Saturday at two o'clock for their senior day, their final home game of the regular season against Jacksonville State. Then they've got uh, the big one uh, coming up against uh, Liberty for all the marbles in Conference USA, a rematch on December the 1st. Uh, Coach, uh, you know, again, this is 
really not a surprise to anybody that's followed your career. It's what you've done throughout your whole career. You're known as somebody that's kind of taken programs and, and resurrected them. The thing is, there was no rebuild at New Mexico State. I, I talked about this um, you know, on the show, and I said, well, the only rebuild you had was really the first four games last season as you were kind of getting your footing. And then once you started putting it all together, it's like you picked up right where you left off last year. And to me, that's so remarkable that you took a program where it was and the position it was, and really you didn't need the time to rebuild the, the program. Well, you know, sometimes you got to believe in miracles. <laughs> and miracles do happen because we took over the worst program in the country. And, you know, we just come in and work like we always do, get good staff, get good people that understand what I want, you know, and uh, what we expect. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just work hard, things happen. And that's all we've done. I mean, you know, I worked hard sort of back when I was working for my daddy on the farm. I mean, it's, it's the same principles. If you work hard, you got a chance. You're, you're 100% correct. And really, I think it starts when uh, you were able to, um, you know, uh, give Diego the opportunity to run the offense. I remember last year it was Pavia and Frakes. You were alternating quarterbacks. And then once you pretty much uh, went with one and you really started to see Pavia continue to grow and develop, it's uh, pretty remarkable to watch uh, what he's turned into uh, as a leader of that offense. Yeah, there's no question he's a player, and he's probably the toughest player I've coached. Uh, one of the toughest. I had another one that was pretty darn tough in Southern Illinois uh, who runs my finances. So, But uh, Diego, uh, there's not very many quarterbacks to pick up a defensive back with, uh, and uh, pick him up and throws him on his back, and that's not real smart. But that's who he is. He's a hard-nosed, tough kid, you know, He's going to lay it on the line for you, you know. He'll drive you nuts sometimes, you know, and he'll check to something. You'll go, what is he doing? And uh, But that's just who he is, and he knows how to win. And, you know, he's a three-time state champion and wrestler, I believe, and that's pretty much how he plays football. But uh, there's no question we wouldn't be where we're at without him. Coach, uh, you all are taking on a Jacksonville State team this uh, weekend, which has been pretty good under uh, their head coach and Rich Rodriguez. With, with uh, Saturday coming around and this opportunity for Aggie fans to watch this team one last time at home, uh, can you talk a little bit about your senior class? I know it's not like uh, maybe other senior classes across the nation when they're graduating 10 or 20. You have a smaller class, but still it's uh, their last opportunity to be honored in front of uh, Aggie fans this weekend yeah and i think that's a great thing you know when you have senior day and even though you don't have a lot you know it's still a big deal for them to walk out that tunnel for the last time and and they've given so much to the program so you know it's a it's a big deal there's no doubt about that and then we're playing the game where uh jacksonville and rich rodriguez they got it you know they got a great team and they're just coming into the conference and uh you know uh, they're as good as anybody we played, and uh, that's including Auburn. To be honest with you, they're athletic and they do a lot of great things. So uh, we've got our work cut out for us, and hopefully we can get healthy. And uh, you know we we're uh, banged up a little bit, but uh, I think that uh, you know we'll uh, um, you know we'll just have to continue to get better. 
Jerry Kill with us, NMSU head football coach, to start us off here on a Monday. Um, it's your first year in Conference USA, second year at New Mexico State. You've pretty much had a chance to play everybody in this league with the exception of Jacksonville, and you'll get another shot at, at Liberty here. Um, give me your assessment of this league uh, as you've had a chance now to, to see pretty much everybody on the field. We're all the same. We're all the same. It comes down to, you know, well, you can throw us all up, and we're all about the same. You know, Liberty, they've got the edge on us, but they also got the most money. And, uh, you know, they, they don't have any weaknesses when it comes to that. And, therefore, you know, I mean, it is what it is, uh, you know, financially and things of that nature. It helps your program. I've heard a lot of people uh, here in El Paso, Coach, that are UTEP fans and have, have taken note of what you've been able to do and combine with what's happened here, say, well, if Jerry Kill can do it at New Mexico State, why can't UTEP find that right mix and find a way to turn their program around the way they've seen in Las Cruces? Well, I, you know, I can't really answer that question, you know, is uh... – you know, I know a lot of people over there. I've, I've known Dane. I've actually worked with him. And, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, I don't know. I mean, I haven't been over there. I don't know how tough a job it is. I, I just, you know, it's not, I know it's not easy. Uh, but, uh, you know, I can't, you know, I can't speak for anybody over there. You know, I really can't. But you can speak for people at New Mexico State. Your athletic administration, when you talk about people like Mario and Braun and the people you've had a chance to work with, what's that relationship been like for you? Oh, it's, it's, I'm pretty honorary, so I'll be honest with you, I've worn them out. And uh, when you take a job, you got to do that a little bit. And uh, Mario, know what, he knew what he was getting when he hired me. And I said, hey, I'll be over your office all the time because we need this, we need that. I structured my contract a little bit different. I did it on my own. And, you know, anytime a new coach comes in, you got to make changes. Yeah, you got to do things that have to be done to win. And I'm fortunate to know, and I've done it so many times, is I know what it takes to win. You do. And you've also been at Minnesota. You know what it takes to coach in the Big Ten. You've been with other Power Fives as either coordinators or assistant coaches over the years. And keep hearing a lot of people saying, oh, you don't worry about Jerry Kill. The more he wins at New Mexico State, the bigger the schools are going to come calling, and he's going to have Power Five opportunities. And uh, let's see uh, how long he stays at New Mexico State. What do you? Uh, what's your message to those people? You know what, I'd say one day at a time, one step at a time. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, I don't worry about all that. Right now i got to worry about, you know, winning winning right here at New Mexico State. And, you know, it's uh, that's what my job is to do. And I'm not out looking for a job and all that kind of stuff. You know, I don't, I don't even have an agent, you know. And I did my own contract here. And usually when you have an agent, they're helping you get a job and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, right now, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, just trying to do my job and and uh, and uh, take care of these kids because I owe these kids a lot. And uh, you know, you know, that's where I'm at. I love Las Cruces. People have been great to me, and uh, you know, I think they're excited. And you know, we just need to keep you know chasing the journey and and uh, you know, just you know, you you can't predict the future. And uh, I, I certainly can. I just, like I said, I'm happy here. And, uh, you know, we'll see what the administration, I don't know if they're happy with me. I don't know. 
you have to call Mario. But, uh, you know, we certainly uh, enjoy being here. And, and uh, so um, that's my answer to that. I think I know Mario's answer, so don't worry about that. Coach, you keep doing what you're doing. It's been a great ride so far. you got two to go. Saturday, 2 o'clock, final home game against Jacksonville State, then Liberty for the championship of Conference USA, and after that, uh, a bowl game uh, for the second straight year for the Aggies. Congratulations uh, on uh, what we've seen so far, and I hope uh, you've saved the best for last, Coach. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, it's Jerry Kill, head coach of the New Mexico State Aggies, joining us here as we get started on Sports Talk. 19 past the hour, a lot to talk about following that conversation. We'll do it in a moment. Chiefs-Eagles coming up here in a couple of hours. The Alehouse, home of the Eagles Fan Club. We've got so much to give away. Can't wait to tell you about that. Plus, get your reactions from the interview you just had a chance to listen to. We'll do it all right after Charlie One, who's standing by with this traffic update out here at Border City Alehouse at halftime of the Chiefs and the Eagles. Let's get right to it. We've got a Modelo football helmet. This is an awesome black speed replica helmet with the Modelo logo. We also have an all gold Modelo football that we are going to be giving away in two separate uh, giveaways. We've got tickets to the UTEP Liberty game coming up uh, this Saturday uh, 1.30 at the Sun Bowl. We also have a $25 gift certificate to Chuco Relic that we are going to be giving away, along with golf out at Horizon Golf, a four-pack of El Paso Rhinos tickets. We've got not one but two history of the Eagles DVDs, along with a Super Bowl championship Chiefs Blu-ray to give away, plus Eagles and Chiefs lanyards and uh, bottle opener keychains from our friends at All That Music and Video Located at the Fountains of Farrah below the Best Buy parking lot. I was there today. A lot of people in there trying to get their, uh, their their holiday shopping done now. Folks, don't wait. I know Black Friday is coming up, and they've got some great uh, record store deals, but all that music and video, Collector's Marketplace, a terrific place to be. And from our friends at 915 Sports and Novelties, I'm going to be giving away a Kansas City Chiefs football helmet um it's, it's a, um, how can I describe this? It looks like a bobblehead, but you actually drink from it. It's a 16-ounce Big Sip character cup for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's awesome. I've never seen one of these before, and the Chiefs fan will love that just for the holidays from 915 Sports and Novelties inside Bassett Place. And I've got not one but two uh, sunglasses to give away from the Oscar Arieta Agency. A lot of great prizes. Only chance to win is with us out here at uh, Border City Alehouse. Um, Domingo, I'll get to you in a moment. First, Adrian, thoughts on the interview that just happened with New Mexico State uh, head football coach Jerry Kill. First off, I mean, he's probably he's taking the nation by storm with this story, knowing that NMSU knocked off Auburn. This will have to live in Auburn football history, and their fans are not uh, going to forget this one for a while. Hugh Freeze is facing a lot of backlash right now out at Auburn. They were projected to win, of course, like we mentioned, but still, uh, with this, this program right now, they're definitely 
definitely uh, riding the momentum, riding the wave. You, you heard from Jerry Kill and how excited he was and how he felt like they were going into the week uh, looking for a win, not just looking to get that $1.8 million, and they got both of those this weekend out at Auburn. Now, I also found it really interesting, the final question you asked, of course, about uh, looming possibilities for him being uh, courted elsewhere as a head coach. I wouldn't. Uh, I would actually be really surprised if he left this year uh, from New Mexico State to take a Power Five job or to take you know one of those jobs. If it was a Group of Five program that is willing to do the buyout and is willing to work with him on a contract and throws uh, crazy money at him, well, okay, maybe uh, like a San Diego State. Sure, that's a possibility, but I just don't see it happening. I I find it. Uh, I find th- there's a lot of purpose in Jerry Kill being at New Mexico State, and I find that he will find that purpose next year as well, knowing that there's a lot of underclassmen on this roster right now who have a chance to come back and do something special next year as well. I'd be surprised if it's ever for a group of five job. I think power five is the only way he would consider it, and he mentioned something really interesting. He has no agent. He is uh, probably not the easiest individual to deal with in terms of what he wants for his program, but that's the kind of relationship he has here with Mario and Braun at New Mexico State. I don't necessarily think that he'll get that in other places, even with the money. With the money comes more pressure, comes more aggravation, and maybe comes less power and control. Is it worth the extra money knowing that he won't have a lot of the same freedoms he has right now in New Mexico State? Right, exactly. It has to be uh, an athletic director who would give him a lot of those liberties. I Think about recently, uh, Jerry Kill missed, I, I think it was almost a whole week of practice uh, during this season because of health issues that he was facing. I wonder if though, if other schools would be as lenient as New Mexico State would be to grant him that time. Now, some people would think, wow, that's really far-fetched to say. I mean, of course, if your head coach is going through something, you're going to grant him time. But there are brutal calls football programs out there that don't accept anything less than you being there every like 24 7 and you know for some jobs uh it might be difficult for jerry kill to actually take over if you know he he wants some kind of leniency toward his time being out there on the field with his team so any team who wants uh jerry kill in the future not only will they have to look at a buyout but like you mentioned and like he mentioned they'll have to work with an individual who at times might be hard to work with Absolutely right. Um, We'll take some phone calls right now. 505-6009, our telephone number. 505-6009. Let's begin with Domingo as we hit the bottom of the hour. We'll do Sports Center right after the call. Domingo, thanks for getting in. How are you? Hey, Cappy. How are you guys? Hey, we saw you Friday at the Haskins Center, Domingo. It's good to hear you. Good to see you. Thanks for the call. Thanks, Cappy. And I'm really impressed with everything you did on Saturday. And he'll be losing twice to NSU. That's a stunner. But it gives the borderland real football. It gives the nation saying, hey, the borderplex is not that bad. They do have football. And I am including El Paso, even though Utah is, me- is no good this year. But it gives the message that, hey, this area has good football talent. There's no doubt. Um, and, you know, he had a good answer also about could he see the same effect or impact on, uh, you know, in El Paso with UTEP like he's done in New Mexico State. And he, a good answer. Can't answer that because he doesn't know uh, what, what the situation is here compares to what he knows there. Although, Adrian, a lot of minor fans have said if Jerry Kill can win at UTEP, 
why can't somebody have the same impact in, at, at, or, at New Mexico State? If Jerry Kill can win at New Mexico State, why can't somebody have that same impact at UTEP? Right. I mean, now there's really no excuse as far as proximity. So fans don't want to hear the proximity excuse come out there and say, hey, uh, or a rebuild excuse. This does not take time, according to Jerry Kill. He was able to do something. Hey, it it it, it obviously took a lot of hours behind the scenes, but it's not like he had to wait seasons on seasons in order order to find success on the field yeah it's very true so Domingo we'll see only time will tell but uh you know as you mentioned he's not only beat him once he beat him twice beat him last year when he was at Liberty and now doing it again at Auburn pretty impressive very impressive and I think Jerry Kill should stay for one more season at MSU he needs to face UTEP in Las Cruces he only played the minus twice and twice in El Paso so let's see if he breaks the record Let's see if he evens out or he gets a winning streak with UTEP or a losing streak. We'll see what happens next season. Appreciate you, Domingo. Thanks for the call. Uh, Yeah, I feel like uh, the last thing probably on Jerry Kill's mind about sticking around next year will be having UTEP uh, in Las Cruces. But he will get them, Adrian. They played him in El Paso this year. They would get the minors in Cruces. Right. Somebody over the weekend, Steve, wanted to float out the Gary Patterson possibility if the UTEP job ever became open. Uh, That would be an interesting connection, knowing Kill and Patterson have uh, coaching history with each other at TCU with their days back there. There. Uh, and of course, you know, they've uh, obviously crossed paths a lot throughout their uh, college football tenures. So that was an interesting name that was floated out over the weekend. I don't know as far as any kind of possibility whether or not that would happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as that. By the way, Gary Patterson is 63 years old. So, you know, you think about that and, um, you know, hasn't really been a head coach since a couple of years ago when he was out at TCU. Um, yeah, that would be uh, that would be pretty interesting. Although when you do have 22 years at uh, TCU, hey, that's a heck of a run, and you're 181 and 79, that's uh, that that's pretty good. All right, more in a moment, but first let's go right back to Adrian standing by with his Sports Center update. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. Uh, by the way, I'm checking out uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, and uh, Adrian at Enemy Win the number three had a uh, a post that I I could not agree with more. I think I think Enemy Win three is spot on here. He uh, says in post, Steve, Jerry Kill is a once-in-a-generation hire. UTEP fans should not expect to find a coach like that. And I've I've agreed um, with that philosophy since last year, and that is that there aren't too many coaches that built up their reputation of being a fixer-upper who specializes in going to small mid-majors at, at when they are near rock bottom and turning them completely around. And that is something that Jerry Kill has done his entire career. I mean, you think about it, right? Um, now, I'm not including Saginaw Valley State when he started in 1994, but you look at Southern Illinois, okay? 2001, they were 1 in 10. 02, 4 and 8. Then 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 9 and 4, 9 and 4, 12 and 2. That's an amazing run over those last five seasons. Goes to Northern Illinois. There were 6 and 7 in year one, 7 and 6 in year two, 10 and 3 in year three. Then he goes to Minnesota and, um, you know, took a 3 and 9 Gophers team his first season, had a couple of 8 and 5 seasons. And then, um, you know, it was out after uh, being 4-3 and three in 2015. 
and then he goes and does what he's done at New Mexico State. Point is, you know, he resigned at um, Minnesota due to his health. And at TCU, he took over for uh, as uh, interim coach after eight games for Gary Patterson. And in that year, they went uh, two and two. But, Adrian, this is what he's done. I mean, Jerry Kill specializes, to me, in, um, you know, in just going to small programs and turning them around. And he's doing it in New Mexico State, just like he did it at Southern Illinois and uh, at Northern Illinois. Yeah, I felt like also uh, they're doing it in a good conference USA league. It's not like it's a down year like we're used to seeing across this conference. I feel like in football at least, Conference USA is up this year. Jacksonville State's a a really competitive team. We know Liberty still unbeaten, uh, still going to be ranked as they come into town this week. Uh, This this league, I feel like, um, you know, Jerry Kill talked about it. They're all on par. I wouldn't say that when you talk about a team like UTEP, but most of the team are on par with each other or, or have a lot of parity and play each other pretty close. Uh, and, you know, the, the uh, NMSU Aggies have found a way to win a lot of these close matchups as well, which is a testament to the winning culture that Jerry Kill has at NMSU. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely. So, And I keep seeing this uh, from Ivan, who has sent this to me before, and uh, I'm going to read it. He goes, to be fair, it does take time to win. NMSU only got to a bowl game last season because the NCAA approved a waiver because the Aggies only had five wins at the time of uh, the application and waiver being approved. Let's please not forget that. Facts matter. With that said, congrats to uh, Las Cruces and the New Mexico State Aggies. Look, the reason they got the waiver was simple because they had a game against San Jose State at Aggie Memorial that was canceled. And as a result, that game, which, by the way, was canceled right in the middle of what would have been a uh, four-game winning streak, put them in a spot where they had to go play Missouri, and then they came back and beat Liberty, got the waiver, played Valpo, beat them, then got to the bowl and beat Bowling Green. But the, the idea that they only had five wins, to me, is ridiculous. It wasn't their fault that the San Jose State game was canceled. In fact, that was why the uh, waiver was approved. Had uh, the had you know had San Jose State that played that game and they won, they would have had six. They wouldn't even have needed a waiver, Adrian. But they were one game short, and that was one of the reasons why they ended up getting Valpo on their schedule. Yeah, I, the first time Ivan sent this to us, I just shrugged it off and I thought, you know, we're not going to pay attention to this one. But the fact that he had to throw this one at us again, and the fact that we really have to talk about this. Wait, first off, Ivan, San Jose State did not play NMSU because there was a tragic death of one of their running backs there was no makeup date because of what had happened at the time for San Jose State and everybody was in agreement on this now with that agreement came into place that waiver I'm not going to give an asterisk every time we have to talk about the 2022 NMSU football team I'm sorry but the fact that they went out and played in the Quicken Lane Bowl and ended up winning that one that that's all that needs to be said right there Uh, this this one uh, come on man this is you're just trying to be picky here they were one and five last year, one and five, and they ended up winning six of their last seven, including the bowl game. I mean, that to me, and they beat Liberty on the road, forty-nine to fourteen. So, you know, to me, the turnaround for Aggie football came 
during that New Mexico game on October 15th of last year. That was when they won their second game, Adrian. They just came off a loss uh, at home to FIU. They rebounded and beat the Lobos, and their season never looked back. They did lose to Missouri 45-14, but other than that, they, that team was money all of last year. Yeah, and, and even more more so, there are so many ra- waivers that happen in college football all the time. Theirs actually got granted. Look at last week, James Madison's waiver, that one got denied. And they're a team that was undefeated up to that point before they lost this weekend. So if they're uh, going to grant NMSU, it must be for a good reason. And that's yeah. why they were allowed in a bowl game. There are so many undeserving programs that get into bowl games every single year. I'm fine with NMSU last year getting in at six and six and then they want it so how could you really be upset about that one that's right a hundred percent correct a hundred percent correct and uh, their season you know it started off with four straight losses we thought it was going to be a very difficult year for jerry kill and then after that they end up winning uh seven of their last nine so uh pretty re- and then they just continue right where they left off last year pretty remarkable when you look at that turnaround all right 18 in front of five we got plenty more live out here at Border City Ale House, 1506 Lee Trevino. Come down and join us, Eagles, Chiefs. We've got a ton of prizes to give away at halftime. Going to be a lot of fun tonight. And then stick around later to watch UTEP and Cal do battle in uh, the uh, SoCal shootout. That'll be happening 1030. All of your coverage right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. We continue. Ivan continues to try to make his point on X, formerly known as Twitter. Herman Flores uh, believes that Ivan is Dana Dimmel's burner account. And uh, nonetheless, uh, look, as far as uh, an asterisk, we're not going to get an asterisk. It's not going to be in the record books like that. And again, I just, I find that, I don't see that as being a fan of facts. I don't think that even matters. I just, I don't, I don't really look at it like that. It's almost like saying, are you going to um, put asterisks by programs that were on probation that still ended up going to the NCAA tournament, but they were on probation? I don't know. Adrian, I've got a tough time with that. They appealed because they lost a game that they wanted back because it wasn't due to anything that they had a, that they had any control of. And if you think about it, they did not book Valpo until the waiver was granted from the NCAA. They weren't about to have a home game if they weren't able to be bowl eligible. So the appeal was simply to have the ability to play that 12th game like they originally scheduled for so they could have the opportunity to try to qualify for a bowl. So if you want to say that facts are facts, Ivan, sure. A fact was that NMSU had a waiver granted, and the fact was they went to a bowl game and won it. So there you go. That's where it's. That's where it ends. That's where the conversation stops. The way that we remember the 2022 NMSU football season was it started off uh, bad and ended off great because they won a bowl game, and that's how we'll remember it uh, from years to come. I will never think of last season as an asterisk season for New Mexico State. It just won't. Never. It won't never. That won't even cross my mind. Uh, let me go to Orly. He joins us next as Sports Talk continues. Hey, Orly, how are you? You know, I'm not an Aggie fan, but give them their due. Yeah. They've done a great job. Mocha's done a good job. Uh, it's not an asterisk. If that's the case, give an asterisk to the Dodgers. They, didn't pay, they paid the World Series outside their stadium. Uh, they didn't have home. Sure. Games. In a yeah, uh, yeah in a, that's that's true. In a um, in, in a shortened season, yeah, in a shortened season, yeah. yeah. You listen to Kill, done a great job. Um, 
I don't know what's going to happen at UTEP. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be the end of Dibble. I'm assuming. I don't, I don't see how they can bring him back. This program has got to change. Uh, going to have to make a major, got to make a major hire this time. Uh, it's going to be difficult because people want uh, want a product. And let's just face it, hasn't been a product out there this year. There was nope. a lot of hype, a lot of hype. We all bit into it. We're all UTEP fans. I'm a UTEP fan, but my hat's off to New Mexico State. That's hard to say, as you know. As a critical, I've been of New Mexico State. Give them their due. Um, how much would uh, how much would minor fans kill for the and, and pardon the pun, but how yeah. much how far much would they kill for the season that the Aggies have had this year? Oh, they'd have fifty thousand to the stadium this weekend. Yep, they would. You, they would have fifty thousand. I want to know how many Utah fans are going to go to New Mexico's State game over Utah. That, I mean, that, that's a great point. It's a possibility. It's I know UTEP's got half-price tickets, but the Aggies are playing Jacksonville State for their final game, and you're right. I mean, if you are if you want to watch a team that is a really good football team, well, there's your answer. That puts a product out there. I'm yeah. going to the UTEP games, and I'm a UTEP fan. But there's going to be a lot of people from El Paso that are going to go up there and watch that game because of the fact what they've done. Hey, you yep. go on the road and beat Auburn. And they didn't just beat. They didn't just beat Auburn. They destroyed Auburn. Well, look at Kill's attitude. His attitude was we we were going in there to win. Yep. Our attitude was go to win and try to win that game. How many coaches we've had in the past here at New Mexico State and at UTEP? Well, we just want to get out there, get out healthy. That's what was. That's always their comment. We just want to. We're going to go to that game. Hopefully, we do well and just want to get out of there healthy. Yep. This guy had a different attitude. Yeah. Hey, real quick. You think Purdy's back? Well, I mean, he's playing good ball right now. He is. He is. And the truth is, is that um, you know, it's not exactly like they're going up against slugs. They beat Jacksonville, who's seven and three now, and they beat a, a Buccaneers team that, despite their record, I always feel like you know Tampa's a pretty good football team, uh, but they're struggling this year. I mean. Yeah, they've they've had two good weeks in a row coming off the bye. But here's the thing, you want to? I'll tell you if they're back in two weeks. They got to go play Seattle on the road and the Eagles on the road. Now, if they win both of those games, then yes, I absolutely believe that San Francisco is back. They got Seattle, Eagles, Seattle, and then they've yeah. got Baltimore. We're right. going to find out what they're made of. Good point. Appreciate it, Orly. Thanks for the call. One hour in the books. We got two plus, actually, uh, hour two and hour three to go. We'll take you right up till kickoff tonight for the Eagles uh, and uh, the Chiefs. Monday night football, and it's uh, happening right here. Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino with 600 ESPN El Paso. Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, start of hour number two. We're live, Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino. Sun starting to set on a Monday Along with Adrian, Alberto, and Michael Plundo. Michael uh, back saying hello as he is uh, back from uh, Texas Tech. By the way, Michael, uh, just an update from you since we haven't spoken to you since you left for the first semester of uh, class out at uh, Texas Tech. How has it gone for you? Do you? Have you been able to uh, get into the sports media over there? What What are you doing since you left us? 
Um, I've just been trying to, you know, keep afloat with my uh, classes. It's been a kind of a rough semester academic-wise. I'm taking uh, 14 hours and 16 the next, so I'm just trying to keep my grades up or uh, my mom's going to pull me out of college, and we definitely don't want that. But uh, it's been good, though. You know, good to see some old friends of mine. We've definitely had some uh, good moments at Texas Tech football games, just hanging with the guys. And um, I'm currently in the process of trying to get into the sports media world and trying to get an internship uh, anywhere I can. So I'm just going to keep trying and pushing. How difficult would it be to balance a sports media position at uh, Texas Tech with 14 hours or 16 hours? It would be very difficult for anybody. You know, you're trying to find a balance in between that. But I think, uh, you know, I've proved nothing more that I can handle anything thrown my way. I just have to, you know, like I said, find a balance, which I've been able to do many times in the past. So I think it'll be no problem for me. Adrian, what is the most number of credit hours you took at UTEP while you were the uh, editor of the Prospector, sports editor? No, I I juggled some uh, psycho times in my college days, Steve. Uh, I think the most crazy I think I I went through, or the time that I went through, is I was going through the law prep class at UTEP, which is like almost like uh, 15 total like credit hours worth of classes all in one day, and I did that for uh, two months while working as the editor-in-chief at the Prospector and working almost full-time at a law firm uh, near downtown El Paso. So that was probably the peak of the psychoness for me. Uh, and so, yeah, those Prospector editions that came out that summer, they were not that good. The quality definitely took a dip. That sounds, uh, that, that sounds ridiculous, but I get it. I do. Um, well, listen, Michael, you know as well as I do that if you're ever in the running for something, just – Give us a chance to call your uh, the people in charge and let us help you get that position. Because you didn't spend the summer here hanging out with us just to, uh, you know, have a good time and then never do anything with it. So we want to make sure that uh, at some point you get into the sports media in Lubbock at Tech. And uh, it, we will do everything we can to try to ensure that that happens. You just got to let us know who we can talk to and uh, who we need to try to bribe. I appreciate that, Steve. I'll definitely uh, keep you guys in touch with that. Me and Adrian, uh, we've talked briefly over the NFL season, so uh, don't worry. I got you guys on speed dial. All right, good. Happy to hear that. That is excellent news. By the way, speaking of NFL, I mean, we got the game coming up tonight, um, but look at all the games that happened over the weekend. I mean, I watched that Broncos-Vikings game. I I thought Dobbs was going to pull off another miracle yesterday in Denver. He nearly did. But you look at the results the Rams shocking the Seahawks and the, and the Seattle slide as that continues. The Texans holding off the Cardinals to improve the 6-4. and four. Um, The Jags rebounding against a terrible Titans team. Cowboys doing exactly what Foss said they should do. I think that was uh, pretty big. Even the Giants came up with a big win. And don't, don't you love the – it's so funny. I saw somebody reply after Magic Johnson uh, sent out that post on X about the turnovers and how the uh, commanders lost. Somebody wanted to know if Magic used his chat GPT to send his <laughs> posts after games. Oh, that's a great one. It, it's probably true, Steve. Uh, actually, it's so bad. He, he is so bad on X, formerly known as Twitter. It's got to be him, right? I mean, it's such bad think. It's such bad quality. Uh, and also, Steve, uh, highlighting yesterday was uh, – the fact 
that Aaron Jones suffered no uh, serious injury in yesterday's uh, you know win against the Chargers. Uh, he was carted off the field. He was emotional as well when he came to the sideline yep. with the trainers. But it looks like that he avoided something that could have been more serious. Uh, maybe is not not uh, going to be available on Thanksgiving. We'll have to see. But good news for Aaron Jones: no serious injury going to him. Do we have results of the MRI? No. Because I heard that as well, but we just don't know yet if uh, if that's going to happen. And by the way, apparently the Packers signed James Robinson to their practice squad. Yes, and they actually they did this earlier this year as well. They they removed him from the practice squad. They brought him back. Uh, he is familiar with them right now. They also have Emmanuel Wilson, who's out with injuries right now. So uh, with James Robinson, that's an immediate help uh, to possibly back up A.J. Dillon in the backfield. While Aaron Jones, I would expect him to be week to week, probably out this week, a knee injury for Aaron Jones, but nothing serious. That's what they said so far. And he's, he told reporters, he even met with reporters yesterday uh he felt like he avoided the worst case scenario but here's the issue okay they have treated aaron jones with uh, kid gloves all season long right they they you know they haven't given him much of the workload he hasn't really played all that much they've i mean they've really kind of uh, i don't want to say babied him but they they only only a couple of weeks ago they finally throw him into a regular rotation this injury almost makes me wonder if we'll ever see any of uh, a substantial aaron jones play the last couple of months of the season Yes, you're exactly right. I mean, the way that they've shown all year long is they don't they don't really want to run the ball, period. They don't want to turn to their running backs, period. Yeah. And what we heard yesterday, I got to just confirm, Steve, an ACL test came back ne- negative. It's the MRI that we're waiting on today for Aaron Jones. So uh, that's going to be the case for him probably week to week. I would think doubtful for Thursday right now. And you're right. I mean, what does this make for the rest of the season? Well, it probably tells you that Aaron Jones won't necessarily be that top option for them in the backfield no matter what ends up happening even if he's back this week uh, they'll probably be very conservative on bringing him back no i agree all right let's take some phone calls why don't we We got two calls to get to uh, nine past the hour 505-6009 getting you ready for the uh, chiefs and the eagles happening here at the alehouse let's begin first with cruz then we'll say hello to aggie andrew who's waiting on the lines cruz what's going on man how are you no, I'm not much going on. I'm doing okay, thank you. Well, hey, but I, I wanted to say, uh, the, you know, Auburn. The people are really down on their team right now, but they probably don't know much about New Mexico State. They've turned out to be a very good team, and uh, you know, if, you're, if, if just because they're not a Power Five team, that does not mean they cannot compete with them, and, and that's evident in this game. And uh, I, I want to say something about our football team. You know, I. Uh, I don't know what can be done, you know, to get a good coach. Maybe they need to follow some coach. Maybe they followed one coach or more this season to see how they did. And maybe they need to follow them a second year before they make a decision, which means, you know, Coach Dimmel should be left where he's at. Uh, he might surprise us, but uh, I think that they need to also compare the, the type of players that, that they've recruited and having those schools, you know, there's just got to be so much done. And, and it, it probably, uh, you know, we haven't been very good at it and maybe we should take two years, you know, follow, hopefully they followed a coach or two this last season uh, and, and they can 
maybe three or five of them, and, and they should do the same this coming year and, and see how they compare those two seasons, you know. And, and uh, gosh, I just don't know what it'll take. Now, Cruz, I'll say this. If they decide to go in that direction, which, uh, you know, it could happen uh, as soon as uh, the game is over or early next week, depending on the direction UTEP goes. And, you know, that's another interesting point that Cruz brings up, and I appreciate the call, Cruz. Adrian, if the Miners don't make an announcement in the near future after Saturday's game, there's going to be a ton of speculation that uh, Dana Dimmel will be back for next season. That's going to be another really interesting thing to keep an eye on is if UTEP does decide to go in another direction, when do they pull the trigger on the announcement? Yeah, I think the announcement date is very important because of already the other universities that have thrown their hat in the mix who will yep. say, hey, we will have a change at coach after this season. Look at San Diego State. Look at Boise State. They have a lot of resources. They have a lot of money, and they wanted to jump to first on on that line of uh, teams uh, who might be looking for coaches across group of fives and I think for UTEP, they have to be strategic and keep this top of mind, right? Because if you make the announcement later than next Monday, and if you don't want, if whether or not you want to do this, if you make it later than next Monday, you're wasting time. Yes. The early signing day, Steve, for football is December 20th. We are a month away from wow. early signing day. And according to UTEP Zay, he did some homework over the weekend. UTEP has only one feeler and one commit out there, and it is Pebble Hills senior quarterback, Gael. Ochoa, who is the only recruit of this early recruiting period. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. I guess that just goes to show you, um, you know, you get you get commits based on the coaching staff and the um, and and the situation that they are recruiting. And I guess right now there are so many what ifs and so much up in the air. You, it's almost impossible to see what kind of a recruiting class you're going to get. But it also goes to show you how difficult it will be for whoever does assume the job, whether it's uh, you know Dana Dimmel uh, for next season or a new coach, to try to put this together as quickly as they need to. Right. You almost have to, if you're a coach interviewing for this job, you have to come to the table with transfers ready to go. And even yep. if they have to sit out a year, it doesn't matter. But if you're a coach interviewing for this job, you have to have a solution. Not just, oh, I think this is going to happen for the early recruiting period no you have to come up with a solution so you can get those mid-year transfers which is so important for UTEP look at what's happened over the years getting those mid-year guys in by January so they get acclimated and into the system ahead of the offseason and then of course ahead of the real season itself that is really important for UTEP this early signing day great point let's go to Aggie Andrew joins us next up 13 past the hour as sports talk continues how you doing Andrew uh, I'm pretty much on cloud nine, Steve. How are you doing, man? Well, you should be. I mean, listen, I don't think they were 25 and a half point underdogs Saturday. 25 and a half point underdogs, and they ended up winning by 21 points. So, yes, you should absolutely be on cloud nine when you can take home a check for almost $2 million and beat up on an SEC team in their home, uh, home field. That's, uh, that's pretty remarkable. Did you happen to catch any of the game, Steve? Uh, no, I did not, unfortunately, on Saturday. Believe it or not, I was, <laughs> you're going to love this one, 
But, uh, yeah, at that point, I was uh, watching the UTEP game, had some other errands uh, to run, and I was in the car listening to Jack Nixon yeah. uh, call the game. That was the extent of uh, following the Aggie game. It was, uh, it was rem- and, and, and it was fun to listen to Jack's call, which I had a chance to hear a pretty good chunk of. And, yeah, he, uh, you know, again, it's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. I did the same thing. I, I listened to the feed because I don't have the SEC network, and, and frankly, I didn't want to pay to watch a 30-point beatdown. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I, I literally couldn't believe it. Uh, so today, uh, last night, they have uh, up on YouTube, you can watch a feed without the commercial. And I still can't believe it. I, I, they dominated. I mean, if you watch the game, I, they, they won both the offensive and defensive line of scrimmages, and I've never seen us play a big what I would call a big-time program. Normally, those guys eat us alive on the, our offensive line. You know, there's just so those athletes in the SEC are so big on the line that nothing else matters. We don't have time to pass. You know, we can't run the ball, so we never get first downs. And from the get-go, from the very first drive, they drove 75 yards, stopped them on a three and out, and it, and it was game on. And that from that point on, there was no intimidation. Our guys were relaxed and. I mean, Pavia, if you get a chance to watch any of the feed, he played out of his mind. Yep. He was like in a zone where no matter where the open guy was, you know, if there's three guys covered, the one guy that was open, he was just, he was, he played like a professional quarterback. It was insane. I mean, it was one of those games where, you know, it's like I remember the UNLV game back in 1992 where it was like everything went right. We beat, you know, a number five team or whatever. I don't know. I'll see it again, Steve, but it was pretty awesome, man. You got to check out some of it if you can on YouTube. I'll look forward to it. Uh, I'll say this, Andrew. Uh, yeah, I, I would like to try to watch part of that game, but I'm really interested in their next two games. Jacksonville State's having a terrific season. They only have three losses like the Aggies, and I know what. And Liberty is undefeated right now. So, you know what? As great as a win as that was against Auburn, the Aggies have two more to go, and realistically, if they can get past Jacksonville State, Liberty is going to be the one that everybody's going to have their eyes on. It's going to be a great game on Saturday. The game, you know, for those listening, it's here at home. It's the final home. They're going to match up. Jacksonville is going to match up just fine with the Ag. I've watched several of their yeah. games. They're well coached. They got good athletes. And then Liberty, you know, Liberty. I mean, frankly, they had the better athletes earlier this year. But hey, that was after we lost to UMass. You know, New Mexico State's playing at a much higher level. It's going to be a fun yep. few weeks of uh, football, Steve. Nice chatting with you, man. Andrew, do the Aggies sell out the game on Saturday? <laughs> no man, it's hard. To, it is hard to get people to football games in November. We're, How? We're like but El you Paso. just upset. You it just upset Auburn. You just upset Auburn. I get it. But you're telling me that they can't get one quarter or one fifth of their population down to no. sell that game out. But you know what? I I fully expect probably uh, the, the capacity is thirty thousand. I I expect they'll get twenty two, twenty three, which is a great crowd. In November, if you're not playing UTEP or, or UNM. And, I, and, and I mean, you get that. Kill's just building this thing. You get 23,000 people for an end-of-season game, maybe 24. I mean, if I saw it, I'll be stunned. But you know what? You know, what he's building is just incredible. I don't know if he's the guy's going to come back. I'm assuming he is. But whatever legacy he leaves, I'm having – I mean, he's just done – I can't describe how good a job that guy's done coaching. So just enjoying the ride, man. Yep. I appreciate the call. 18 passed as we continue. I got to double check this, Adrian, but I think, I think the last time the Aggies sold out a football game was 2005. They might have done it actually 
for their home opener in 2015 when they played Georgia State. But um, I got to double-check that and see. Otherwise, it's 2005, the last time they sold out a football game. Man, it's been a while, Steve. So, yeah, I I hear uh, Aggie Andrews' reservations when it comes to actually selling it out. And how many times since then? I mean, they've probably been having – they've been given a lot of opportunities to obviously sell out the Sun Bowl since then. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So, yep. All right, come back with more in a moment. Live Border City Alehouse. Let's go to Charlie One and get this traffic update. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue live. Border City Alehouse, our home. 1506 Lee Trevino starting to fill up now as we get ready for, as you might imagine, Monday Night Football. Chiefs, Eagles, we got tons of prizes to give away. Super excited about that. And... Looking forward to uh, having all of you come out here tonight and uh, join us as well. Food is amazing. It's pint night, $3.50, 450, 550 pints, $3 cans of uh $4 fireball, and yes, the atmosphere will be fantastic and cannot wait for that as well as just uh, having all of you out here with us at the alehouse. I think that's uh, really what it's all about, folks. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. By the way, Aggie Memorial capacity 28,853. That is 28,853 and I believe I'm not 100% sure on this, but I'm looking right now. The last time this team sold out a football game, okay, um, to their capacity was, all right, it looks like, um, well, first off, it held as many as as 32,993 fans. That's the all-time attendance mark, which was UTEP. How funny is this, okay? I am looking right now at, at the top 20 attendance records, okay? Other than two New Mexico games in 2004 and 2009, every single attendance record at that stadium is held by UTEP. UTEP has 10 of the top 12 attendance marks in the history of Aggie Memorial Stadium, Adrian. You know what? Uh, our very own Alberto Retta was calling it before you even said it back here, Steve. He he was saying it that UTEP he felt like was going to rule this this top ten or this top twenty list, I should say, and that is definitely the case. Uh, and yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I get it. It's uh, two communities coming together for the big rivalry game. I yep. understand that. I'm a little surprised that New Mexico versus New Mexico State didn't hold as much, uh, I guess, weight in this conversation. So it has, I mean, New Mexico has, let's see, two, uh, five. They have seven spots in the top 20, okay, but only two in the top 10. UTEP has eight of the top 10 and three more from 11 to 20, whereas New Mexico has five of their seven in uh, the, uh, the top, uh, the top, really the top 20 or top 11 to 20. You know what I mean? I think New Mexico is 13, 14, 15, 19, 20, along with 4 and 6. And UTEP is 1 through 3, 5, 7 through 10, 11 and 12, and 16. 
So if you want to know the largest crowd for a non-UTEP or New Mexico game, that would have been September 8th, 2001, when 27,238 fans were there to see the Aggies in Oregon State. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense right there. I feel like it's real interesting, though, that there hasn't been a good crowd at Aggie Memorial that's uh, been twenty-five, you know, 27-plus uh, since – you know, the, uh, I guess, like 2015, right? That's what we're yep. talking about right here. Georgia State, that year, and that game they lost 34-32. There was 27,201. But other than Georgia State, they had um, a UTEP game in 07, 05, and um, a New Mexico game in 06. And then most of the other crowds are either in the 80s or the 90s. That's so, Yeah. I mean, you wonder now. With uh, the win over Auburn, will we see for the last home game a crowd of over twenty-seven to twenty-eight thousand on Saturday? You wonder. So, and, and stop it with the uh, there's nobody living in Las Cruces. Listen, I get it, but you want to know something? You got a great football team over there, great football team, and you've done it before. You've done it before, even though um, I can tell that UTEP and New Mexico fans probably helped in a big way getting those top attendance marks. You know that. So, you know, Oregon State and Georgia State are the two games that really stand out to me, and those were both in the 27,200 mark. Can they eclipse that, Adrian, coming up for Jacksonville State? 20th best attendance ever at New Mexico State is 26,271. Will they break the top 20 for Jacksonville State Saturday afternoon? I'm going to probably say no based on the latest trends. That's sad to say, uh, but knowing what we just reeled off right here and seeing the history right in front of us, unfortunately not, Steve. That that shouldn't be the case. This is a historically great NMSU football program, and knowing how difficult it is to win, whether you're NMSU or UTEP, uh, these fans should not take this time for granted. I agree with you. 29 pass as we approach the bottom of the hour in Sports Center. Uh, let's actually let's do this. Let's get Sports Center in now. Then we'll come back with Memphis Drew. More phone calls, more of your uh, messages on social as well at 600 ESPN El Paso as we continue live from Border City El House. Can't wait to see if Tim Boyle is even worse than Zach Wilson, which would be hard to imagine. But I did watch enough Zach uh, again this whole season. He has been a total disaster. I don't think Boyle's any better. The Jets have absolutely just completely fumbled away the situation with this team after the Aaron Rodgers injury. There is no excuse for them having such trash quarterbacks uh, behind uh, Rodgers. Absolutely awful. All right, let's go to the phones. Memphis, Drew's been hanging tight. Drew, welcome aboard. Good to have you on the show. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call, Steve. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and Adrian and all your listeners out there. Thank you, Drew. Hey, you as well. What's your happy programming schedule? You're going to be on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. I, yes. I think Tuesday, uh, tomorrow, I'll be live at uh, at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue on the west side for Sports Talk, and then I'll be hosting the Dana Dimmel Show, UTEP Football with Dana Dimmel, uh, final show of the season. And then Wednesday, uh, we will be back live uh, from our River Oaks property, Schoolyard Sports Studios, and then we'll be off Thursday and Friday. Yeah, I figured that. Hey, they must be fuming up there in Albuquerque. Uh, they they got they got better resources and everything else, more money, and and New Mexico State is 
is killing it. And uh, they got uh, the quarterbacks even from uh, Albuquerque. You know? <laughs> what, what, what's the talk up in Albuquerque? Of? Ha, uh, have you heard, got any? Uh, well, they beat Fresno State on the road 25-17 yeah, over the weekend. And that was a shocker. Nobody yeah, a shocker. expected that to happen. Nobody. Yeah. So think that'll uh, save his job? No. I, I, think he, I think he's done. I think he's done, and it doesn't really matter. I expect the Lobos to make a coaching hire, and that's going to be another really interesting situation, Drew. And, Adrian, we haven't talked about that. If the Miners and the Lobos are both looking for head football coaches, I'm so interested to see who will be more aggressive and what approach each school is going to take. Oh, man, and you're talking about programs that aren't good in football, especially yep. as of recently and haven't nailed their recent tires. Uh, Danny Gonzalez was thought to be the guy over at New Mexico. Uh, that's not working out over there. And then, of course, with Dana Dimmel, he was thought to be the guy even given a contract extension after the New Mexico Bowl. Um, they're definitely going to be reevaluating things at the end of the season from one way or the other. So, yeah, that's a good point is when these other openings come out, where does UTEP rank in the pecking order? Yep. That's the biggest win in the history of the state of New Mexico. I don't know how closely you follow it, but it's got to be up there. Don't oh, you my think? God. In football? Yeah. I don't think yeah. there's ever been a win like what happened Saturday in, in either Lobo or Aggie football history. Um, so I was talking to Mario about this, actually, on Saturday. I, I spoke to him before he came back home from the Auburn trip, and he had mentioned they beat Arizona State – back in, I think, the 90s, but I don't, and they beat them in Tempe, but I would still put beating Auburn on the road over beating Arizona State. Hey, and uh, the Lobos, uh, how's their attendance, man? I don't think their attendance is very good either. Lobo football. I'll tell you right now, because their last home game was uh, against UNLV, they lost 56-14 to 14 in that game, and they had 12,353 fans. Capacity, 37,440. Yeah, they don't show up for their football team well, either. Hard, hey, to, hard to show up. In fact, this week. Yeah, in fact the, the Aggie game was probably their best crowd because of the rivalry. And they had 27,414 for the Aggie game, and they lost 27-17. So, yeah. Hey, a lot of people thought when the Diggs went down, the Cowboys would be hurting in that secondary. But that, that Bland, that number 26, man, he's really yeah. stepped it up. I think oh, he's yeah. all pro. Deron Bland's been amazing. I mean, he's about to set an NFL record for most pick sixes in the season. Yes, sir. Okay. So, appreciate you, Drew. Thanks, you yes, too. Sir. Good job. All right, um, Michael, I understand you've got a little nugget for us regarding uh, Jets and Steelers football. I'll start with the uh, New York Jets. I understand uh, it's not gone uh, the way that they expected. I certainly uh, know that you did not expect to see Zach Wilson as the starting quarterback in Week 1. But I'm curious to know, Steve, do you think the Jets need to move on from uh, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala? Because Joe Douglas has been with the Jets for quite a bit now since 2019. So what do you think? Um, look, I feel like they built this team for Aaron Rodgers, and they did not have a plan B. That was my problem. 
They're, they they never would have imagined what ended up taking place. And I feel like they the biggest mistake that they made was not having a backup plan in case he got hurt. Because it's clear Zach Wilson is not the backup plan. So, yeah, I'll, I'll fault them to say that they built. And, and my biggest problem with the Jets was even if Aaron Rodgers had stayed healthy, that offensive line was trash. It's been trash all season. So I know that Rodgers doesn't hold on to the ball as long as, as Wilson and makes better decisions. But believe me, Rodgers would have gotten uh, beaten up pretty good this year because that offensive line was the way it was. So in that regard, I've got a problem. As far as Sala goes, he's a defensive coach, and their defense has been terrific. So I don't look at Sala as an offensive mind. He's a defensive guy, and they've been great defensively. It's just a shame that they never had a plan B. So as far as the Jets go, I don't know if I get rid of them. I just uh, they, they, they clearly put all their, ba- their eggs into the basket of Aaron Rodgers and never thought that they would need a, a backup in case something happened. That's the one fault I would give them. To your point about uh, Sala being a defensive-minded coach, do you think that could maybe uh, overshadow the Jets' offense because that's obviously been the biggest problem for them due to injury? Do you think maybe that Nathaniel Hackett needs to be on his way out because uh, he hasn't been as you know at hope for? Do you think maybe the Jets need to look for a new offensive coordinator, or do you think it's strictly a quarterback issue? Hackett was Rodgers' guy. He was Rodgers' guy. He is not built for Zach Wilson or Tim Boyle or or Trevor Simeon or anybody else. He's only built for Aaron Rodgers. Was brought in probably because Aaron Rodgers asked for him. So, again, talking back the point, they catered to Aaron Rodgers, and they needed – look, they could have had Josh Dobbs for a six-round pick. They didn't do it. They could have had Gardner Minshew. They could have had a whole host of anybody to back up, uh, to back up Rodgers. And, unfortunately, when he got hurt – they were behind the eight ball, and they never climbed out of it. So do you fire Joe Douglas and Robert Sala for that? No, I wouldn't, but it's definitely poor planning, and it's a lost season. Now what do you have for the uh, Steelers? Um, I'll say this about the Steelers. It's definitely been a very interesting season. Uh, they're coming off a really bad loss yesterday to Cleveland in a game that they personally, I think, should have won. But I think the Steelers are now in a very tricky situation because, you know, you got the fans calling for Matt Canada's head since week one. But now it's shifted to Kenny Pickett because if you look at the past couple weeks, Kenny Pickett has ranked bottom tier in every stat possible. He's not been able to push the ball down the field. He's not been able to, you know, put up crazy numbers or get touchdown passes. He's not been able to produce any type of, you know, hope to give Steeler fans that he's the franchise guy after Ben. But I will say it's not all his fault because the offensive line, it hasn't been the greatest. Uh, our left tackle and center have been, you know, had a very disappointing season. George Pickens and Deontay Johnson have barely gotten the ball. Over the past three weeks, George Pickens has eight catches for 82 yards, which is just ridiculous to me because with a player of his caliber and talent, he should be getting the ball a lot more than what he has right now. You're right. And by the way, the last four games, Kenny Pickett's been miserable. I mean, I actually thought that statistically he was playing pretty good up to the Rams game. But I mean, when you're averaging 4.6, 5.3, and 3.8 yards per completed pass, that's beyond terrible. So I know they're runoff, they're running, uh, you know, the ball more and more. But at the same time, Pickett has just not been delivering against Jacksonville, Tennessee, Green Bay, and Cleveland. Is that the product of the offense, or is it more Pickett? Because he looked better uh, the first six games of the season, albeit he's not that 300-yard passer the way Big Ben was. 
Oh yeah, no. But um, here's another interesting set that I think kind of speaks for how Kenny Pickett has played. The Giants' backup quarterback Tommy DeVito, who has only played three games in his two, into his career, and he was a third-string quarterback to start the year. He threw for three touchdowns yesterday, which is already more than what Kenny Pickett has thrown for uh, in a game in his 22 career starts in the league. So yeah, I think good that point. I think that goes to tell you that you know Kenny Pickett has his own struggles, and uh, if he doesn't figure it out, the Steelers might need to go quarterback hunting next year. Could be. Could be. Well, it's a great draft to be quarterback hunting. Let's be honest. The 2024 NFL draft is going to have – it's going to be quarterback aplenty, and there are probably – what would you see, Adrian? Six to ten yeah. maybe that you can go down the list that could ultimately end up being starting quarterbacks in this league? Yeah, and if number six starts with Quinn Ewers and number ten has Tyler Van Dyke from Miami, then I'd be happy if I'd get any of those quarterbacks right now. Look at all the terrible quarterbacks we see week in, week out in the NFL. Okay. I would love to draft a quarterback in, in the upcoming draft if I were a team right now. I'm with you. Hey, Eagles and Chiefs coming up here in about a half an hour. Prizes aplenty, including UTEP football tickets and a parking pass for Saturday's home finale against Liberty. We also have a $25 gift card to Chuko Relic. We've got golf with cart out at Horizon Golf and Conference Center. We've got Rhino four packs of tickets. We also have courtesy of Modelo, a speed replica helmet and a gold football. That is very cool. Courtesy of 915 Sports and Novelties, a 16-ounce character big sip cup featuring the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll be giving that away. We've got a couple of sunglasses from Oscar Arieta Agency. We've got the Chiefs and Eagles DVDs, History of the Eagles, as well as the uh, Super Bowl championship uh, DVD from the Chiefs. We've got lanyards, and we've got uh, bottle opener keychains. Those are from our friends at All That Music and Video Collectors Marketplace in the Fountains of Farrah, just below the Best Buy parking lot, where they are gearing up for Black Friday and all of your holiday shopping. Our thanks to 915 Sports and Novelties for giving us this terrific 16-ounce Chiefs Character Cup. 915 Sports and Novelties located inside Bassett Place. And uh, they've got all the sports uh, gift items you need as well. We are loaded here on a Monday. Come down and see us. Border City L House with 600 ESPN El Paso we continue uh miners play tonight uh, out there in socal john and steve will have the call for you as utep and cal get underway 10 30 we'll be uh, showing that game here at border city l house after monday night football for those of you that want to stay up late come out here to the l house to watch it uh you can also listen to it 600 espn el paso miners won on uh, friday night adrian and uh, it wasn't pretty in fact, the free throw shooting was atrocious, and uh, Joe Golding took all responsibility after the game. But the Miners uh, still pulled the dub off uh, against Austin P, and they are favored tonight against Cal. In fact, the last uh, update I saw has UTEP by two and a half points over Cal. The Miners are four and zero. The Golden Bears are two and two. And then, depending on if they win or lose, they will play either Bradley or Tulane Wednesday. Either at, um, I believe, 7.30 or 10.30. 
That's correct, Steve. Uh, by the way, a great opportunity for UTEP to be on national television tonight. They've been doing this on a lot of ESPN Plus broadcasts last week when they won uh, just a week ago from today against UC Santa Barbara. That one was on CBS Sports Network, and UTEP earned a lot of notoriety across uh, the country, I would say, from how yep. they played in that game. They were even on Sports Center Top 10 and all that kind of stuff. So that's good. That's what you want to see out of a game like this. 8.30, Brad and two-lane tip-off. I'm going to be watching this one in a big way, knowing that these are two top 100 teams in college basketball right now. So whoever UTEP will end up playing on Wednesday, it'll be a tough task. Bradley so far, they uh, just recently beat Tarleton State. They've even beaten UAB early on this year, which just tells you where they're at. And then you look at Tulane, the Green Wave, they're also 3-0. They don't have uh, you know, like a noteworthy win, so to speak, but they're still ranked in the top 100. Uh, they are still a team who came off a 20-win season last year. So either Tulane or Bradley, both those teams are tough opponents for the Miners coming up on Wednesday. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, and that's going to be happening once again for uh, all of you here uh, tonight. Uh, the early game uh, before we get into UTEP and Cal. And you're right, because if the Miners beat Cal, they'll play the winner of the uh, Bradley-Tulane game. If they lose, they play the loser. And strangely enough, in this tournament in California, the consolation game is after the championship game. I guess it's primetime viewing for that 8.30, 7.30 tip-off, whatever it might be. But, uh, yeah, nonetheless, it's a road swing for the Miners where they're on the West Coast. They'll spend Thanksgiving out on the West Coast as well, do a little bit of recruiting in between. And then they've got that big Loyola Marymount game on Saturday. That's another big one. Another team that is off to a good start so far. Uh, they're Although they're 2-3, and three, they're also a team in the top 120, Steve. So, um, yeah, they come in with a lot of pedigree as well. Looking forward to it again. We'll have it all for you coming up tonight after Monday Night Football. The Yale House is starting to fill up. The Eagles fans are here. The Chiefs fans are here. And uh, we're going to be giving away tons of prizes at the half of our Monday night game. Come on down and join us. 1506 Lee Trevino. We're about 20 minutes away from the start of Monday night football. So you got plenty of time to come down, get a seat, and enjoy a nice cold beer on pint night and some delicious food out here at Border City Ale House. All right, we will come back and get uh, you ready to go for the game. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso.